Welcome to the United Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm James. I'm Cassie Jones. Thanks for being with us today. And so the United Podcast is a place where photographers and creatives can sit at the same table, learn from one another, and encourage one another through community and education. We get to chat with some of the top industry leaders so that you can transform your business and by doing that, maybe even transform your life. We care about that because we care about cultivating the creativity that exists in every person. And today's guest is Jennifer Riles, the owner of Jennifer Riles Photography based in San Antonio, Texas, and serving worldwide. Jennifer is a mom. She's an educator who is passionate about going the extra mile for her clients and helping other photographers learn how to do the same and give their clients that really special, unique experience. Jennifer is a person that once you meet her, you never forget her. And she's even won the award at Show It's United Conference for being the best hugger. So you know she's someone special. So please welcome to the United Podcast, Jennifer Riles. Jennifer, thank you so much for being here today. We are so, so excited to have you here. And we're so thankful for your time and your willingness to share so much with our listeners. To start us off, can you tell us a little bit about your journey and how you got started in photography? Yes. So we had our first son in 2016 and I originally thought like, okay, I got tired during my pregnancy when I was going to work every day. So I was like, okay, when I have the baby, I'll probably just want to stay at home for a while and like relax and hang out with the baby. I am not built for that life. I'm really not like I thought I was. And then sitting at home every day with a baby that can't like talk. I realized that like I missed adult interaction and I missed being able to, cause my husband still had to go to work. So definitely I knew I wanted to do something. And then I saw another like Navy wife started photography and I was like, that looks so easy. Like I can do this. Like I, <laughs> I can make money and get out of the house. Like that's so easy. It's not easy like at all, but that's how I started. I just thought that it was easy. And I think for me, it was just a matter of, it was something that allowed me to make money, but it also was something that benefited my family because in a different way, because I was able to take pictures of our family. And now we have like art hanging on the wall that is us. And we never had that before. So that's basically how my photography journey started. And I also was the person that was like, I'm never going to shoot weddings ever. I will not deal with bridezillas. I won't do it. That's so many hours in a day. And now Uh I'm just in love and I just do all the weddings because that's what I love doing. Oh, that's That's amazing. I love that story. I have to ask a follow-up question to that. Yes. Because you said you saw other people shooting weddings and you're like, oh man, that's so easy. And then you realized it's not so easy. I'd love to hear what it was like when you first picked up a camera and what the transition was between then Cause you're kind of bomb now. Like if anyone looks well, at your website, you. they're like, what? Like, well, no way. You. And, and they probably be good. like, oh, of course you should probably picked it up and just woke up like this. Mm-mm. This might it's be true. not at all the case. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm interested in what that journey was like. Yeah. So when I started photography, I was doing portraits and I would do like maternity sessions and family. And we lived in Hawaii at the time. So it was a lot of like beach sessions and stuff like that. And I loved it, but I also realized that I don't necessarily love working with children like I love Mm. children and I love being around them but like they throw sand at your camera they don't care how expensive your stuff is they will wipe peanut butter on your clothes and they're not even your kids like I I didn't want to do that anymore (laughs) 
And so when I got, when we moved to Texas, that was when I started in weddings and I started reaching out to other photographers and second shooting as much as possible. And I just started trying to make friends in the industry because Mm. going at that alone was a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. And it was a lot more confusing than I thought it was going to be. So when I was (laughs) able to start connecting with, you know, other photographers in the wedding industry specifically, and then when I moved to Texas and started weddings was actually the year that I went to my first show at conference. And that was a huge game changer for me because I got to meet so many people at show at United that were in all different phases of a wedding photography career. Like there were people there that have been doing this for 15 years and they still love it and they're incredible. And there's people that were like me that had just started and were also looking for guidance. And so we kind of got to like band together and find out where we could learn what we needed to learn. And it was, it was a very fast transition. I would say like I started second shoot, I second shot once before mm. I had my own wedding. That's wow. awesome. Um, and I told the people just so we're clear, because I think that's something that's important is I was, I'm very upfront and transparent with my clients and I let them know when I was just starting, like I am just starting. I don't oh, wow. like, I know how to use my camera. I know how to photograph people. I know how to photograph in all different lighting scenarios, but I've never shot a wedding before. And so being able to be blessed with clients that were understanding of that in the beginning was really helpful to my journey too. And I think the transparency played a really big part in that. That's kind of a poetic segue because I'm a big fan of your energy. Like I was on your website. (laughs) Uh, I was on your website and I saw something on there about um, your relationship with your husband. And uh, you talked about how like, the 50-50 rule, like marriage being 50-50 was like complete BS. I was like, Mm -hmm. see, I agree with that. Yeah. And so like the way you're able to integrate that, like even into your digital presence, I imagine it's the same thing when, I mean, obviously it's the same thing when you're with people. Uh, A lot of people have a hard time doing that. And so were you always like that? Do you always have that kind of energy? Was that something that grew? Like you talk about kind of how you, how that process was like. So that actually came from my dad. Um, I heard a lot of that growing up. My parents have been married for over 30 years now. And hearing my dad say that growing up was something that like, I know wasn't meant for me, but Mm. like he, I, he's a very intentional man. And so I know that it was meant for me to hear it and maybe not Mm. meant for me to understand at the time, but seeing the way that him and my mom interacted and knowing that they were never just putting 50% into their relationship. That was something Mm. that always stuck with me. And like, just the, the math of it doesn't add up. Like, why would you give the most important (laughs) relationship in your life? 50% of you when you could give a hundred. And the way, the reason I say that it's not like that, I say that 50, 50, 50 rule is BS is because my husband and I, we've been married for going on eight years now And there are times when I can only give him 20% of me. I can Mm. only give 20% of myself to, you know, our marriage at the time or our kids or whatever the case may be, but he is there picking up the slack and he's giving Mm. 180% because he knows that we have to work together as a team. Mm -hmm. And he knows that I am not always going to be able to handle everything. And he's there to pick up my slack. And the same goes for him. Like this was a really big year for us Um, in 2020, he transitioned out of the Navy and he spent a decade of his life 
in the military. And so that was a huge transition for him. And there were a lot of different areas where I had to pick up the slack for him. And Mm. that's okay. He was transitioning into the civilian sector and he Mm. started a new job and needed some grace and needed some help. And that's what I'm here for as his wife. And I try and bring that to my clients as well, because especially with weddings, most of them, this is their first time planning a wedding. And so they have no idea what they're doing, even if they think they do, even if they've read all the articles from the knot in Zola and wherever else that tells them how to plan a wedding. They don't know what they're doing because they don't know what they don't know. And so it's Mm -hmm. my job at that point in time to step in and give them more than they can offer to give me at the time. And that's where like that's where the value factor comes in when you're stepping in and you're giving more than you're required, like 50%, you're then giving your clients so much more value that they feel confident booking with you. And it's so clear that you give so much to your clients and you're especially intentional about making your clients feel like the most important people on the planet. Um, Can you tell us a little bit, I mean, you've kind of already told us a little bit about that, but we want to hear even more about the heart behind why you're so intentional with your clients um, and about building that relationship up even from the very beginning. Like, did Mm. that start off that way? Did you kind of start giving more and more as your business grew? We want to hear all about how that kind of transitioned from your life Mm -hmm. into your business. Okay. So I feel like a lot of the things that relate to my business are things that I just kind of grew up doing. If that makes sense, like a little bit of a background, Mm -hmm. like I was a military kid growing up. Um, My dad was in the Air Force for 20 years. And then when he retired, my mom continued to work with the exchange on the military base. And so they moved us around every three years, just like she was military. And so and I also saw my dad like start a bunch of different businesses when I was a kid. Like I didn't even really put it together till I was an adult. But like my dad, Mm. I remember one year he had like a or in one place that we lived, he had like a booth set up at this like permanent carnival in Japan. And that was just like his, he ran a business and he had in Japan. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually where I was born. <laughs> it's listen. I, My hands are in the air. That's what's happening. That's what that pause was. He's not lying. What? His hands are in the air. I, we were a military family and we, that's we awesome. Everywhere. So that my is mom awesome. is Filipino and she is from Cebu in the Philippines and my dad is black. He's from Mississippi. I was born That's in so Japan. Awesome. And then we moved to, I believe it was New Mexico first, and then Oklahoma, and then Wichita Falls, Texas. Or no, we New Mexico, Oklahoma, England, the Netherlands, Wichita Falls, Texas, what? San Antonio, Texas, and oh then Guam. Gosh. And then Guam to back to Texas for my first semester of college. And then North Carolina for three years, San Diego, Hawaii, Corpus Christi, San Antonio. Oh my goodness. That is amazing. It's been been a lot of moving and that kind of like plays into everything that I do with my clients because I moved so often. And especially in a lot of the formative years of my life, like I was moving as like a middle school kid and an elementary school kid. And I went to two different high schools. And so I had to be very intentional about my friendships growing up Mm -hmm. because I noticed at a very young age that if you're not putting in the effort, they're not going to last. Like I have friends that I've known since I was eight years old because we 
both put in the effort. We call each other and we would write yeah. letters back before cell phones were a thing. And like, that's just always kind of been how I am as a person. I feel like you get what you put out there. And mm-hmm. it also, like, I've been the new kid at school so many times that like, I know what it feels like to mm-hmm. be like awkward and uncomfortable in situations. And yeah. so I try and like make sure other people don't ever feel that around me. I'm just like, no, but if I'm more awkward than you, then you can't <laughs> feel awkward. <laughs> like I just want people to feel mm. at home when they're with me. And that's kind of been like my life philosophy. That's so sweet. Yeah. And I can attest 100% that everyone <laughs> feels at home when we're with you. Uh, oh yeah. You, I have to say this, Jennifer, even won the hug the best hugs award and so united um getting a hug from jennifer is 100 percent like being at home (laughs) with your best friend and oh there she's got her award it's my favorite and it stays on my desk every single day and that's i mean and that was a hard thing for me to like even believe that that was happening because that was my first year at show it and Mm. just like I just wanted to hug all the people. Like I just wanted to make friends with everyone and sit and talk with people that maybe felt like they weren't like comfortable Mm -hmm. stepping out and meeting a bunch of new people. Like I enjoy that, but I know that so many other people, like they want to go to conferences and they want to attend these different workshops so that they can learn, but they're also not comfortable stepping out and being somewhere by themselves in a room full of strangers. And so I, it's just, Something that I kind of make my mission to just go around and find those people and hug them and make them comfortable. It was the sweetest. I, whenever we were talking about that award and I just will never forget that very first hug that I got from you. It was. That makes me so happy. The best. It was. I'm jealous because I didn't, I was not around then. And so I didn't. It's okay, but we've had so many hugs since then. Exactly. It's I believe you, at James. United Apart, James, we ran. This is true. We ran at each other. Yep. So it's okay. Yep. We've made up for it since then. <laughs> yeah, no, I survived. It was a vibe. <laughs> so I'm with you. I'm with you. I feel like, and I, I guess you said this on the website too, uh, about being an empath. It's just, I think it's pretty incredible to me the way that kind of cultured experience that you have uh, has translated into the way... <clears throat> that you not only sort of have that kind of compassion for others to go, Oh, I know exactly what it feels like. Not, I know intellectually, or I know sort of, yeah, you know, I can talk about what it feels like. It's like, no, I've, I've been in that position dozens of times. And so all the nuances of emotions that you might be feeling, I know what that feels like. And so I can kind of step that I can step into that with you. The way you can translate that to not only shape and reshape, sort of like someone sort of relational experience with you. Um, I'm interested in the way that you use that to sort of craft the client experiences that you have. And you always do this too. When you talk about your experiences, you say, well, that goes exactly in the way that I treat my clients. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's one, it's incredible to me, just a big shout out to you for that. Uh, But I'm interested if you could share some insight into the way that cultured experience has shaped the way you, you do client experiences and how that's and how you've seen that really move your business forward. Okay, so that's actually something that I've been digging into a lot over the past couple months, especially after how 2020 went and you have to kind of stop and reevaluate like mm-hmm. how am I going to move forward with my business and 
right now my conversion rate with clients that inquire with me is like 99%. And I 100% wholeheartedly believe it's because I get them on the phone. Like Mm. I know, I know how uncomfortable it is talking on the phone to strangers. Like none Mm. of us want to do it. Like we all still want to call our parents and have them make doctor's appointments for us. Like I get it. (laughs) But like, this is different. This is your business. Like this is when people come to us as wedding photographers, they're not looking for someone who doesn't want an adult today. They're looking for an expert. And I know that's mm. hard, but sometimes we have to remove ourselves and our feelings from the business situation and just like handle business. Like right. I get every single one of my clients on the phone, my wedding clients. And if they won't get on the phone, then they're not the client for me. Like it's one thing if they have a busy schedule and we have to mm. wait three weeks or we have to work around their schedule, that's fine. But I have to get people on the phone because I need to hear your voice. I need to talk yeah. to you and I need to know what's important to you. I need to know like what one of the things that I ask all of my clients and I actually got this from Ben Hartley um, at his abundance workshop, but I ask every single one of my clients, what is the thing that you value the most about each other? Like being able to hear that answer while they're both sitting there on the phone. One, it does Mm. something for them and it does something for me. What it does for them is it allows them to hear something that they probably don't ever hear from their partner. Nobody Mm. has ever asked my husband, what do you value the most about Jennifer as a person? And there's nothing wrong with nobody asking him that. But because nobody's ever asked him that, I would never hear his answer. Mm. And so a lot of times when I ask them that question and they answer in front of each other, they end up crying Mm. or they end up, oh, my God, I've never heard you say that before. I didn't know that you knew like you noticed that about me or I didn't know that that was something that was important to you. And it helps them to connect on a deeper level, which is super important to me because I also don't want like clients that are awkward together and don't really like each other because it shows in the Mm, pictures when they don't want to be around each other and they have like they're upset with each other or something. It shows in the photos. Mm. And so allowing them to connect with each other on a deeper level is incredible. But it also tells me because I'm specific when I ask it and I say, this is not a physical quality. It's not anything about their looks or about the way they dress. Like what, what is it about them as a person that makes them your person Mm. and being able to hear that answer kind of lets me know where, where we fall on the, Hey, you're my client spectrum or Hey, you're not. And if we find out that they're not my client, that's great because we find it out in the beginning before they ever pay me, before I ever take images that they're not going to love And then I can send them on their way to a different photographer. And that's where I can come in and I send recommendations Mm. like, hey, my friend Natalie, her style looks like it's more like yours. Or, hey, Vanessa looks like she will do, you know, exactly what you're looking for. And I have no problem sending clients away if they're not for me. That's uh, so two things in response to that. One, I feel like I'm going to go home and just say that to my wife. (laughs) I will. Please do. Thank you for that. Please do. Um, and two, mm-hmm. I feel like you just, you hit a real big brand button uh, when you said they're not the client for me. And the I think the mm-hmm. courage, but the tension that's in a statement like that, especially for newer photographers who are like, I need every client. Um, and the sort of, yes, that look you just made. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so, no, so there are people out there who would think like, well, I'm just starting. Mm-hmm. I, I need every single client. But again, mm-hmm. it's a brand button where you go, no, 
there there's a client for me and there are a lot of them out there. I just need to make sure those are the only clients uh, that I am connecting with. And if I find out that you're not for me, that's not a bad thing. I'm okay referring you to other to other photographers. I'm so interested in um, that idea and how you came up with that. You know, and and then and then the way that you referring that business to friends and other photographers has helped your business, almost like you give and it almost comes back. Absolutely. So to anyone that's listening that might be at the beginning of your business and you feel like James said, I need all the clients like I just want to make more money, like I just need to get all the people in. I can guarantee that no matter what I say next, they're not going to listen. They're not, they're still going to go out and book all the clients that they can because I know like Mm. I've been there. I did that. That's how Mm. I got to where I am now is because I did. I booked all the clients that I could get my hands on. And so many of those situations were so terrible because those were not Mm. the clients for me. And so I had to go through a bunch of terrible wedding experiences for me to finally be able to put my foot down and say, no, I don't ever want to deal with that again. So let's talk about things before you book me and I show up and it's just not a place that I'm supposed to be. Um, To kind of explain that a little bit, starting my wedding career in Corpus Christi, Texas, where the percentage of the population that's black is less than 4%, um, like 95% of my clients are white and I absolutely love my clients and it's, I've never had a problem with any of the people that have booked me but it's been problems with like Mm. their family Mm. members or I'll show up to wedding and like someone's grandpa like asks me where my boss is or like sticks his hand in my hair or someone's grandma. Like it happens all the time. Like people apologize to me at weddings for country music and like it's ridiculous. And people, I had a woman, a mother of a mother of the groom at a wedding that I was second shooting for a friend um, when I was like knelt down photographing Mm. the bride's details, I feel someone like touching my scalp and I look up and it's the mother of the groom and she has like her back kind of turned to the side and I look at her and I pull back and she was like, Oh my God, I thought you were a dog. No. Yeah. So it's, I've been through some pretty terrible experiences at weddings. Yeah. That breaks my heart, Jennifer. Yeah. And I mean, to be fair, like not even to be fair, just so that there's, oh, I always like to, again, back to the transparency, there was a dog in the room. However, me and that dog look nothing alike. So there's like, it's still not okay that she said that, but I just have dealt with enough experiences at weddings that I don't ever Mm want to deal with again, that I have now gotten to a point where I'm like, nope, we're getting on the phone. We're going to talk. I have had to like Mm. update my contract with clauses that I didn't think that I would have to add in there, but it's definitely come a lot from experience. So that's why I say that, like, I know that the newer people, no matter what I say, they're not going to do, they're not going to listen because it's so hard when you're in the moment and you need money and you have someone staring you down that's trying to hand you money and you know that they're not a right fit but you're like, my family could really use Mm -hmm. this money right now. And that's how I landed myself in so many of those situations. And so now it's just a matter of me having to trust my own abilities to 
yeah. to work essentially like if i turn down a client i have to be okay with that because i have to tell myself like i will find a way to make that money somewhere else but i'm not going to put myself in a situation that's going to hurt mm. my mental health mm -hmm. just to make a dollar like that's not an yeah. option for me no one no one should ever ever feel that way at a wedding and no so whenever you um whenever you do find those clients that are specifically right for you, what advice do you have for other photographers or other creative entrepreneurs who need help thinking through those rules for them on how to find their right client? Like how did you go from feeling like that at weddings to where you selected your clients to where you didn't have those experiences again? A big part of it, and I know this is something that a lot of people are going to disagree with, but a big part of it is I'm very vocal about my opinions mm. and about things that matter to me on my business pages, whether it's on Instagram or Facebook. Like I'm not going to not post about mm. things that I care about on my social media just because it's not related to weddings or it's not business related. Like I know a lot of people are, oh, don't talk about politics in your business and not even to delve into that on the podcast but i am vocal about my political feelings when things are happening in the country or things are happening in this world i speak up because it matters to me and mm -hmm. so when clients can see my instagram and they see what it is that i speak up about the people that don't agree with me they're mm -hmm. not going to inquire with me and so i'm okay like i think that's one of the biggest things is we have to start being okay losing clients because so many, there are so many other things in this world and in this life that are more important mm -hmm. than money. You should say that again. And making another sale or booking another client. Like that's just, there's so many things that I won't compromise on mm -hmm. for the sake of a dollar. I'm like, say that again. 100%. Yeah. I just, I know that it's hard. And I've seen, especially last year, so many people that are either new to allyship or new to being vocal about their allyship in like public mm -hmm. places like social media but it's hard work it's very hard it's not always going to be easy and pretty it's not always going to be just posting something on social and walking away sometimes there's going to be kickbacks that are not positive sometimes there are going to be people that disagree with you or family members that disagree with you but when you're doing the when you're doing good work it's easier to push through those hard times because you know that what you're doing is benefiting Mm -hmm. all of us like being being a good person is just going to make the world a better place and it's not if people disagree with you being a good person I just feel like <laughs> you should let them go <laughs> like, I just feel like you should let them go and I know so many people again don't agree with posting about things like that on their business page mm -hmm. but me personally that has helped me to weed out so many people because I have posted things before about politics and I've had people message me like people that they would message me and tell me like, I was going to inquire with you, but you posted X, Y, Z. And I just really think that's insensitive and okay. Mm. Thank you. Like, <laughs> thank you. I don't know what else to say because I don't, I don't want to, essentially I don't want to work with people that I wouldn't yeah. want to hang out with in real life. That's so powerful. You're hitting a lot of brand buttons. And so I have to, I have to point out one more again. Okay. Uh, like the idea of not necessarily catering, but there's a sense in you've heard the term riches and niches. But the idea of being okay to say, hey, I can be who I am and serve a unique set of clients or a unique audience. And in a situation where someone might disagree with my position as a human, 
that's okay. I don't, I'm not, I don't need to respond to a level of tension with more tension. I can still say thank you. I can still respect you and the, the positions you hold, but that doesn't mean that I have to compromise or in any way move uh, on a set of principles that I live by. Um, and so again, the idea that you could say, Hey, there's more to life than just money or booking clients. You know, sometimes again, for newer, for newer professionals in the field that can feel a bit overwhelming. And so I wonder um, if there are some specific, almost practical like skill sets or workflows that you think about when, when sort of defining that client so that their experience is as high and as valuable as possible. Can you give some of those to newer photographers and newer creators getting in it? Yeah. So for sure, I would say to create a script for yourself. If you don't already have one that you can use when you're on the phone with clients, because that will help to alleviate some of the anxiety mm. about having the phone call because you know that all your job is is to get on the phone, ask them the questions you've already written down, write down their answers, and then get off the phone. Like that's all mm. that you have to do and to listen. And that's going to be a huge part is listening to your clients. Like listen to what they tell you is important to them yeah. and hone in on that. If they tell you that they're super big on staying at home and binging right. Netflix, ask them about what they're watching on Netflix. Don't just zoom to the next question mm -hmm. and say, okay, that's fine. They're just homebodies. They don't go out and do anything. Um, so definitely having like either creating a script or just like having general questions that you want to ask your clients when you get them on the phone. But for sure, my biggest tip is always going to be to get them on the phone. I don't, I don't do this for portrait sessions because it's right. spending a lot less time with the client and it's either going to be about mm -hmm. an hour or like 30 minutes with them. So I don't do that for that, but for weddings, absolutely get them on the phone. And when it comes to, especially beginners in the wedding industry, one of the things that I started doing was every time I had a client and they left me a review, which I always recommend asking them for reviews um, because they don't realize how yeah. important that is to your business until you tell them. But when you get the reviews from your clients, I have this big trifold and I don't know where I put it. It's, we just moved into this house. Um, but it's a big trifold. Thank you. And so one section has, and it's all about the reviews. So one section is what they mm -hmm. said about their actual photos. The middle section is what they said mm -hmm. about me as a person. And then the other section is what they've said mm -hmm. about their experience with me. And so I can write down and it's just bullet points at this part. So, okay, when she got her photos back, one of my clients said she felt more beautiful than she's ever felt. I write that down. And so that's kind of something for me to refer back to when I have to let mm. go of those clients that aren't for me. I can go back and I can look at that trifold and I can think to myself, okay, this is why I let go of the people that aren't for me because yeah. this is how I make my people feel. And the people that aren't for me, yeah. they still deserve to feel like that, but we don't communicate in the same way. And so... I'm not the but one you that's going to make someone. them feel like yeah. that. They deserve to find someone that will make them feel more beautiful than they've ever felt. But if they're looking for <laughs> like a Vogue editorial style wedding yeah. coverage, that's not me. And so I can't give you the thing that makes you mm -hmm. feel beautiful. So please go find somebody else that can. And when you reframe your thought process and you look at it more of, even if you're yeah. turning them away, you're still helping them because again, when people are planning their weddings for the first time, they don't know what they don't yeah. like. They don't even know what they don't know. 
And so they're trusting you as the expert. And I'm not, I am big on not breaking people's trust. And so if someone comes to me and they trust me to take care of their wedding day, I'm not going to break their trust. If they're not, if I can't give them what they're looking for, I will send them to someone else confidently knowing that they're going to find what they need with that other person. I really applaud you too for like knowing what you're looking for and knowing what like your boundaries and really sticking to them. I think that a lot of newer photographers and business owners really struggle with that. Um, I know I did as a new Mm -hmm. photographer. And so I love the, all of the wisdom that you're sharing. And so thank you so much. Um, This is kind of something that a lot of business owners don't talk about. Um, But do you have any examples when you've like prevented problems with your clients through your client experience? Or do you have any examples where there's like a situation where like things turned around because you are so intentional about your client experience and going through those steps to find your right clients? Mm -hmm. One of the biggest ones that I notice happens a lot is when I get them on the phone and we start talking about all things wedding, I always ask them, do you have like a timeline that you've already kind of made up for yourself? Like I know that we want to do, I'm not, I don't ask them for any hard times like, oh, this part's going to start at this time. I just want to know what do you have planned for the day? And so hearing that like what they have planned and then I ask them like what, you know, what images mm. of mine brought you here? What images of mine made you want to inquire? And so they always point out the ones that are like (laughs) the beautiful sunset images. And then they tell me that their December wedding starts at 7 p.m. The sun (laughs) went down three hours ago. Like where you cannot start your wedding in the dark and expect to have sunset photos. Like, and so that is always a huge thing that so like a large majority of my clients that have winter weddings don't mm. take into account the sunset time. They just don't even think they about the fact that it know. goes down at four 30 and they're still planning their mm-hmm. wedding yep. on like summer wedding timelines. And so being able to hear from them that they really want sunset photos and that they're starting their ceremony at 7 PM, I can then intercede and say, Hey, I know that you have already kind of started to craft your timeline, but if things aren't set in stone yet, I would like to recommend, you know, pushing the ceremony start time back a little bit. And if we can't push it back, I would say that I would recommend for them to do a first look so that when the sun has already set, they've already seen each Mm. other and we can still go do photos at sunset and they won't have to worry about, oh, I don't want to see them before the wedding. Yes. Well, then move your wedding. Jennifer, that's so brilliant. (laughs) It it's so it true. Is. It's so true though. They don't people don't they don't know. Right. Nobody knows what time the sun sets other than mm. photographers. Exactly. And people that care about watching the yes. sunset. These are the facts. These are the facts. That's so funny. I go I go that right there. I go, they don't know what they don't know. And mm-hmm. I love that you use the word intercede in the sentence. Who does that? Jennifer does. Thank you. I love <laughs> I love it. Um Thanks. Yeah, so that was awesome. So with all of the experience you have, one from all the travels and all the um, unique client experiences that you make for them, um, could you give young photographers or others, just peers, um, advice on what to do when you do encounter a problem with a client that you felt was for you? So now they've paid you, you're heading in the direction 
things are going well and then something something happens um how do you still make sure that they you know get an experience that they're happy with or or something else and even just to tack on a little bit on that too and also so that you don't like sacrifice your boundaries too right Okay, so I was confident answering it until you asked that part. Like, it's fine. <laughs> um, so it's, it's so hard because especially, like, for my situation, like I said, a lot of the issues that I faced at weddings were, like, race-related, and it was never my clients. It was always, like, an uncle or a grandma or, like, a cousin or something, and they don't have control over that. And so mm. when it comes to... the the difficult part of the question of like without sacrificing your own boundaries being completely honest I haven't figured that out like I I just I haven't figured it out because Mm -hmm. the decision that I'm faced with when I have these situations pop up at weddings is do I ruin my client's wedding day over something that had nothing to do with them or do I not say anything and let Mm. this person feel like what they did or said was okay And so I have found myself kind of just biting my tongue because I don't want to, I don't want to cause a scene. I don't want to upset my clients. I don't want to, you know, have them because I know some of my clients, if something like that were to pop off and it was their parents, they would kick them out of the wedding immediately. And like, I, thankfully nothing ever happened at the weddings with those kinds of clients, but like, I just don't want to. I don't want to bring anything negative to them that has nothing to do with them on their wedding day. Like that's something that I am so big on, on wedding days. Don't bring any BS to my couples. Like do, I don't care if the reception hall is on fire, Mm. figure it out and then set up something else for them and then let them walk in and see the new beautiful space. But they don't need the stress on the day of the wedding. They don't need any of the other drama. And so Mm. that's definitely something that's been hard for me is trying to find a balance to where I'm not putting my client's needs before my own, but I'm also not bringing things Mm. that are unnecessary to them. And so it's also hard because I feel like when I'm in those situations, my options to speak up are also kind of hit with a caveat because it's like, if you speak up now, you're the angry black woman stereotype because I, if I were to like rightfully respond the way that I could and probably should to these people, I would immediately be the angry black woman that's yelling at a wedding and everybody's confused. Mm-hmm. Cause like what is happening? But again, if I don't say something, they feel like what they did or said was okay. And mm-hmm. so I just want to be completely honest and say that I don't know. Mm. And that's something that I'm still working through and figuring out. And hopefully I don't have to figure it out because hopefully it doesn't happen ever again. But I would say you just have to do what's best for you legally since I put it in my contract, because that's one of those clauses that I Mm -hmm. meant that I had to add in was like a racism clause. (laughs) And my clients, I put like a signature block at that clause specifically. Mm. So they have read it. They know what it is. A lot of them sometimes will sign it and not say anything. And some people will ask me questions like, hey, I saw that. Like, do you mind me asking what happened that made you have that in your like? Because some of them know. And so I will explain it. And they're like, we will we will protect you. Like Mm -hmm. nothing will ever happen to you when you're with us. Like we will always be there for you. And so that's fantastic. But having that clause in my contract does give me the legal right 
to pack up my things and leave if I feel like, because it goes along with the unsafe working environment clause. And so that is something that I Mm -hmm. legally have the right to pack my things and leave. And I don't owe you anything. I don't owe you your money back. I don't owe you your, I will give you the photos that I have already taken, but anything I haven't taken up until that point, you're not going to get, but it's just always been, I've never been able to actually enforce that and like make the decision that I'm going to pack up and leave because I'm just like, I can't do this Mm. to the couple because it had nothing to do with them. If it is your couple, however, that is causing you to feel unsafe, leave. Like that's not, there's no, Mm -hmm. there's no way around that. Like if it was any of my couples, I absolutely would have left. But because it was something that I felt didn't have anything to do with them, I was uncomfortable Mm. leaving. So that's just my advice on that. I love that you put that in your contract to protect yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that that's a a really important thing for all of our listeners to hear Mm -hmm. is that there are clauses out there that do protect you. And I feel like that perfect, like that perfectly answers that question. Yeah. This is how you, this is how you have a solution and still, still respect self-respect your own boundaries. Like Mm -hmm. that is exactly how. And it's hard. I know that that's hard. Like that's something that I want people to understand is like I, for a long time, I didn't tell anybody about a lot of the stuff that happened at weddings because in my mind, everyone's response was going to be, Mm. well, that's stupid. Why didn't you leave? And I would feel dumb because I didn't leave. Like, well, why did I stay if this, like, if I was so uncomfortable, why did I stay? And like, I felt like I couldn't explain that to other people. And so I understand that kind of shame and guilt over situations like that and not wanting to leave. But like, that is not your shame. It's not your guilt to carry. You didn't do anything wrong. You were put in a, you showed up to work to do a job that you were contracted and paid to do. And when you showed up, you were then put in an unsafe working environment. That's not something that's your fault. And you, if you have those contracts in place, you can leave because before those contracts, I couldn't leave. The very first time that happened at a wedding, I didn't know what to do. And I just knew that if I left, I would owe them all their money back. And that's (laughs) not something I want to do. Not a fan of giving people money back. So yeah, had to figure out something. I think that you answered that question brilliantly in, in the record. You answered that brilliantly. Yeah. Thanks. I thought about it a lot. That was the most brilliant <laughs> answer ever. I'm sorry that I threw that like extra tidbit in. <laughs> okay. Honestly, I like that though. Like I've had people ask me these questions before about like, you know, how do I handle Ooh. these situations? But like, how do you handle it while respecting your own boundaries? That's a really, really good question. Cause that's something that's hard to do. And you don't think about it unless you've been in that situation. And now you're giving people a, um, a framework to think about it before they get into the situation, which I think is invaluable. So, yes, that's huge. I also think that like putting these systems in place does significantly help you have a better client experience. Like it Mm -hmm. all goes hand in hand Mm -hmm. because your clients know what you stand for. Oh, absolutely. And so your relationship with them is even more solid because you've given them the opportunity to ask questions. Like if they Mm -hmm. don't understand something about that, you know, like that clause or any other clause. I love the fact that you said that you put like initial blocks underneath each thing to make sure that they're 
taking the opportunity like this is really important to me. I need you to read this. I have like the main signature block at the bottom of my contract, but then there are certain sections like the payment plan section. There's going to be an initial block there. And then the safe working environment clause, there's going to be an initial block there. And like I buy all my contracts from the legal page. Um, (laughs) And so the great thing about her contracts is that she tells you in there, like they all come with the same document that explains like, hey, go in and change these highlighted things and go in and put what's important for your business in here. And she tells Mm -hmm. you, you can add clauses that make sense for your business. And so some clauses I'll just add like an extra word or two and some I'll add a whole new clause because I want to make sure that I am, the the contract's not just for me. Like it's to protect myself and to protect my client the best way that I can. So I want to make sure that we're all on the same page and taken care of. Like, I don't feel like my contracts are like traps that Mm -hmm. I'm like getting people to sign their life away. Like, I feel like it's something that's mutually beneficial for both of us. It keeps both of us protected. We both know what, like what all of our expectations are from the beginning because they're in the contract. Yeah. Now, does that mean that people actually read them? No, they still text me or email and ask questions that are in the contract. And I'm like, oh my God, yes. And send them a screenshot of that section in the contract Mm. because I want them to like, okay, maybe I should have just looked at the contract. And next time I have a question, I'll do that first. And that has helped a lot. So going forward for our listeners, if they could change one thing like today, what like to up their client experience, what would that be? Ooh. Ask better questions. Ask better questions. I love it. Ask love better it. questions and listen. Because I feel like when people get clients on the phone, I feel like they always want to know, like, oh, what's your budget? Like, how much do you want to spend? Um, when and where is your wedding? That's not, like, that can be answered on the on the contact form. You can make your mm-hmm. contact form as long as you want to, and you can have those questions answered preemptively so you're not wasting time. But when you get people on the phone learn about them as a person like stop thinking about the money stop thinking about how you're going to make them book with you stop thinking about oh man do I really want to be at a wedding for 12 hours or like is this wedding super far for me to drive like I'm in Texas so you can drive for 12 hours and still be in the state of Texas so like I try and get those questions knocked out on my contact form so that when we get on the phone Mm. I want to know about you as a person I want to know about y'all as a couple. I want to know what a day in the life for the two of you looks like. I want to know what you value in this world and what is important to you. And they, one of the things that my clients have told me that have come from our phone conversations is they didn't feel like that was a conversation about them booking a wedding photographer. They felt like they were talking to a friend. And that is the point because when you... When you sit down and you talk with clients and you want to know about them as a person and you want to hear their story and you ask follow-up questions and you ask better questions that are about them on a personal level, when they hang up the phone with you and they go and they have a phone conversation or they talk with six other photographers, they're going to remember you by name because when they talk to you, they felt like they were talking to a friend. And so it's not, oh, let me flip through my notes and see which photographer said they were going to charge the less. It's, well... I remember Jennifer and then I remember we talked to three others on Wednesday and one other person on Thursday, but I don't really remember Mm. their names. That's because I don't care about the wedding stuff on the phone. Mm. I want to know about you as a person. So ask better questions that show that you have an interest in them as people. That is amazing. I love that. That's bomb diggity. 
I did a shimmy. Y'all couldn't see that, but I did a shimmy. <laughs> <laughs> the Steph Curry shimmy. shimmy. That's what it is. I'm going to drop a three ball like that. <laughs> so I, I have to say one, uh, I think, uh, again, big shouts to you. Uh, I, I think I, I've only known you for a short period of time. November 2019 was when I um, yeah. took pictures at United uh, last year before 2020 gave us United Apart. Yes. I love that, by the way. That you just said 2020 gave us United Apart. It did not take things from us. Mm -hmm. It gave us new perspectives. James, look at you. I love that. Yes. Hey, man. Just trying to say to people. (laughs) So good. (laughs) But to hear the story of how you have to endure the kind of things that the way that you've endured and persisted um, kind of through these, the kinds of experiences that you have had to endure. Um, and, and you'll do that for the sake of your clients. Uh, I think it's a kind of uh, humility and, and kind of service that I, I don't know if, if we're always familiar with. Um and so when you when I think about a client experience, I mean that's really what it is. We talk about sacrifice, um, but when that sacrifice comes at a significant personal cost, and sometimes when we say cost, we're thinking mm-hmm. like, oh, money. Yeah, there's that, but then there's just the nature of our humanity and the dignity that's there, and when in the fact that you would even in that sense just hold hold back because it wasn't it wasn't even your client's fault it's just in this moment there's a situation that i am above yeah like that experience those that kind of disrespect is beneath you but for the sake of those clients i'll 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 mm-hmm. refrain so that their experience will be the best possible and then when I get the opportunity, I will speak yeah. publicly like that kind of that kind of demonstration to me is uh, incredible. So I just I wanted to salute you. Thanks. So I I have kids and I feel like resilience is no longer an option at this point because I have children like it's if yeah. I were to react the way that I want to in a lot of situations like that one specifically, the whole dog thing, I would go to prison. Mm-hmm. I don't enjoy that idea of going to prison. So mm-hmm. I just have to keep my children in mind. And a lot of my client experience, mm-hmm. like as bad as it's going to sound, it's not about them. Like It's not about my clients at all. It's about my kids because I work from home mm-hmm. and my kids are five and three. And so they're here with me. So they see me on the phone with clients and they see me interacting with them and they know like, I can hear them talking to each other and they'll ask each other, like, what do you value? And I like, it's cute, but I also feel like they're making fun of me. (laughs) But either way, like they're three and five learning how to ask important questions. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. as much of my, as much of my client experience is about the clients, it's also about my kids because what I Mm -hmm. allow and what I tolerate and don't tolerate in my business and from clients and from anyone else, my kids are watching. And so I don't ever want my kids mm-hmm. to be in a position where they see me tolerating less than I deserve and think that, okay, well, 
I they grow I don't want them to grow up and think to themselves like they have to stay in a job that they hate or they have to stay in a situation or a relationship that they're uncomfortable in or unsafe in because mm-hmm. that's how you pay the bills. Like mommy was miserable when we were growing up, but she did it anyways to pay the bills. No, she wasn't. Mommy was happy because mommy chose to do mm-hmm. what was best for me instead of trying to please everyone. And I want my kids to understand that even yeah. if that means that they're choosing to do what's best for them that goes against something that I believe. Like I want them to be able to make those decisions for themselves and them watching me do it every day in my business. It makes a bigger difference than you would think. Well, after dropping that bomb, (laughs) where would you say this is the point of the conversation where it's open plug time. So uh, anything you've got uh, where, (laughs) um, Anyone listening can go to learn from you. Anything you've got going on, please do tell. I really want people to get their contracts from Paige because I've bought so many contracts before that just were not the same. So um, I, (laughs) other than like my super like obvious Instagram and Facebook and website, which are all literally the same thing, Jennifer Rowles Photography for Facebook and Instagram and JenniferRowles.com for my website. But if you do buy contracts from the legal page and you use the code Jennifer, you're going to save a little bit of money and you're going to save yourself a lot of headache because you can plan these things. That also helps too to honestly sit down and go, once you get a contract, sit down and go through your contract and like line by line or section by section, figure out what that section is protecting you from and then set up systems in place to help those situations never even happen. Like if you look at your contract Mm -hmm. and it's like, okay, the payment plan section has to be initialed because people need to know that is something that you can write down to talk about in the conversation after you send their proposal and tell them like, once they see how much the package costs, get them on the phone again and break down the contract Mm -hmm. price or the payment plan with them. So they understand and you avoid those situations. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I also love how easy like her, her contracts are to read at like from a client's perspective And from a business owner's perspective, like it's easy to walk them through and easy to, for them to understand and you to understand, you feel like a lawyer Yeah, telling them the things. Yeah. And that's what I like too, is I like that you said that hers are easy to understand because it's not like super lawyer mumbo jumbo, because that to me, I don't know why. And I've talked to clients about this before. And I've like, I've sat down with one of my clients and I took her to lunch and we, I showed her both of my contracts and she, the one that has the like super aggressive lawyer lingo Mm -hmm. feels threatening to clients. Like when they open the contract and they read it, even if they've already made a decision to hire you, when they're reading through this contract that feels like a trap, that's why I said earlier, my contracts don't feel like a trap. They're very clear that they're going to benefit both of us. Nothing is Mm -hmm. hidden from them, but the client, the contracts that were super lawyer talk scared them. And so I love her contracts for that, for sure. You know, it's it's an incredible thing and, and thank you for the time that you've given us and all the inside. I just think it's cool that from the point of inception, like the from before you ever meet a client all the way to when you give them the contract, it's another one of those brand buttons. Uh, it's consistent. The energy is consistent. It's always, hey, I'm going to be upfront. I want to make sure that you don't feel like you're reading something that seems, you know, too distant from you. That seems like there's all this specialty language and insider language that sounds like it's only protecting me when in reality it's like, no, this is a situation that's going to create a space where both of us are going to feel great. Um, 
in wanting that from beginning to end, uh, again, a big brand button that I think people should pay attention to. So, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. This is... What's your dog's name? This is my favorite thing that's ever happened during a podcast. <laughs> What's your dog's name? It's fine, guys. This is my dog. His name's Texas. Hey, Texas. He's hey, so Tex. cute. Can you say hi. You're just going to Hi, Texas. Here. That's so awesome. Okay, get down. Yeah, he's Thank lovely. You. you smell awful. <laughs> it's fine. It's <laughs> wonderful. Now I smell like his mouth. It's great. Oh, man. <laughs> Jennifer, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This was incredible. Y'all are really good at asking questions. Oh, oh my gosh. You're great at answering them. Yeah. You did amazing. Yay. I I really pre- like I I had high expectations and you went even better. Like Stop. even higher. Thank you. No, you Jennifer, thank you so much. And thank you so much for being so vulnerable and open about like even the ugly things that you've experienced. Yeah. I'm sure that some of that's hard to talk about. And I really appreciate you being open with us. Of course. Thank you for listening to the United podcast. We hope you enjoyed our conversation with Jennifer Riles. Jennifer, thank you for all of that great insight and what it means to really create a unique client experience. Y'all take a minute to go check out information and get more from Jennifer Riles. You can find her on Instagram at Jennifer Riles Photography. And you can go to her website, www.jenniferriles.com. Now, if you enjoyed this podcast, please follow us on Instagram. You can find us at Show It United. And make sure and subscribe to the United Podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. While you're at it, leave us a comment or write us a review because we'd love to hear from you and always love hearing from our community of creatives. So until we talk to you again, thanks for listening.